Welcome to Legalish on Dash Talk X with your girl, Demetria L. Graves, Certified Family Law Specialist in Pasadena and Beverly Hills. I am so excited today. I have one of the best criminal defense attorneys in Los Angeles. Tell us who you are. Well, I don't know if you're talking to me. You said one of the best, but <laughs> all right. This is Lou Shapiro, uh, office out of Century City. Yes, I do criminal defense, and I'm happy to be here today with you. Oh, this is such a treat. I am so happy you are here. I have so many questions for you. I don't believe it's already June, but so much has happened in the in this year. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's been a really exciting year for criminal defense especially. I can tell you just because of the amount of interviews that I've been doing, you know, on television, radio, and in the media. So I, I can't remember. I think since uh, the Conrad Murray case, mm-hmm. uh, that was, as remember, with, where Michael, the doctor who was treating Michael Jackson was on trial. Mm-hmm. Since then, I don't think we've had so much criminal law on the news. So, yeah, it's, it's a good time for someone in my shoes right now. Oh, so I said I have to get Lou in here to talk to us about all of the hot topics in criminal law. Because we all know that is not my practice area. I can tell you about the gossip, but I can't tell you about the law. So I think one of the, the biggest ones this year is the Nipsey, the death of Nipsey Hussle. And that took me by storm. I know I was in Las Vegas at the time when I learned of his passing. And it, it seemed like the whole mood in Vegas was sad. When I came back to L.A., it was sad. So, so many people were impacted by, by that. And then people were upset that Chris Darden um, agreed to represent him. But then just as fast as he agreed to represent him, he he got off the case. So can you explain to us, is that normal for an attorney to do that? Yeah, this, this case, like you said, has had a lot of twists and turns. And it's, it's not normal. Uh, but look, this is an unusual uh, case in, in terms of the, the facts that are presented. We have an individual here, you know, who is high profile, uh, well-known in the community. And when he was, was, you know, taken out, uh, we're dealing with a very emotionally charged, uh, you know, court of public opinion right. and a lot of his fans. So, you know, in light of that, I think, I think Chris Darden probably expected some pushback uh, from fans and so forth, but I, I think he underestimated, you know, the, the actual and full-on reaction that, that some of the real devoted fans had, and that's what resulted in threats to him and his family in the case. So is it hard to get off a case once you've agreed to be someone's counsel? It's really rare for a criminal lawyer mm-hmm. to get off a case in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember, there's that famous scene in The Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey where he's talking to someone behind bars and he's telling his, you know, his client, he's saying, look, we're, go- we're about to go to trial. Uh, I really need more money, you know, at this point. And the client said, uh, I know you have to take my case to trial, whether I pay you or not. Right. The savvy client. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so McConaughey says, okay, we'll see about that. And they go before the judge and the judge asks them, hey, is everyone ready for trial? And McConaughey said, well, actually, your honor, we're, we're missing a witness. We need a continuance. And the judge goes, who exactly is that witness? And McConaughey says with a smirk on his face, Mr. Green. Uh, and the case was continued. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah. So, so generally, right, mm-hmm. we, we as criminal lawyers, we can't get off a case, even if we haven't gotten paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the nature of the industry is most criminal lawyers will get their fee up front, right. uh, knowing that. Mm-hmm. But moving past that, in order to, to, to really get off a case, it needs to be a conflict of interest. That's mm-hmm. the only reason that a judge will allow a criminal lawyer usually to, to be what's called relieved of counsel on a case. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, you know, it wasn't really a conflict declared. It was an it was a different reason. It was a reason that I'm scared for my for my family, for my friends, and, and so forth. Darden did say he wasn't going to reveal the, the actual nature of the issue, though, publicly, mm-hmm. which was weird because it seemed like he did. And then he goes, "But I'm not going to tell you everything." So there may have been also, in addition to the threat to his getting a conflict between him and his client, which he would not be at liberty to disclose. So we'll never mm-hmm. know exactly how or why he got off the case, but we do know he was threatened. We do know that made him feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and there may be more to the story that we'll never know. Well, do you really think that's surprising considering the nature of this case? No, I don't think it's surprising that he that he got those kinds of threats. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think is surprising is that if that would be the sole reason to to be relieved of the case, well, he had to have known going into it that he was going to be facing resistance. Right. So then you, then you, the question then becomes, well, why did you go into this uh, knowing that this was something you're going to have to deal with? Right. And remember, this is a man who probably got already, I think you mentioned it earlier, threatened you know, when he was on the other side of the fence as a prosecutor in OJ. Mm-hmm. We all know that, that he got a lot of resistance uh, from his community about that. You know, how could right. you be doing this? How could you be prosecuting this man I'm, in light of the political climate? Right. So poor Darden, he just can't win no matter which side he's on. Now, let me ask you, Lou, would you take a case like this? I would find it very uncomfortable to take the case, honestly. It would mm-hmm. not be, it's high profile in nature, but, you know, when you're dealing with, with threats and things like that, uh, you know, I, the safe, you know, my, my safety first and foremost for me and the family, I think that that's just more important than anything else. So if there's someone else that's willing to take the case, by all means, it's not one that, that I necessarily need in my filing cabinet right now. Mm-hmm. Now, considering all of the evidence in the case, I mean, there there's no question of if the young man did it or not. So what is his best defense? Or why, why wouldn't something like this settle? So in a murder case, the criminal defense attorney is really left with, with three possibilities. One angle is self-defense or imperfect self-defense, arguing to the jury that, look, yes, my client did this, but he felt threatened and in the heat of passion or, or because he thought he was going to be harmed, he had a reasonable belief of being harmed but used too much self-defense mm-hmm. and therefore should be convicted of manslaughter, not murder. That's mm-hmm. one way to go about it. Mm-hmm. That does not seem to be an option here. Mm-hmm. Other way is it wasn't me, misidentity. That's not an option, as you said. So the, the last and final option is insanity, mm-hmm. right? To argue that at the time of the offense, I, I basically didn't know the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was possessed. I was delusional uh, and something like that. Mm-hmm. How is, how we is, are told, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know. Um, to, to wrap that point up, mm-hmm. he apparently after the alleged, um, you know, homicide, he, the defendant was, did go right to a, some form of a mental health facility or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, just so that that may already be kind of, you know, fruits of what's to come in the defense. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, how does, you know, public opinion weigh into cases such as these? And, and does the criminal defense attorney take that into consideration? 
It has to. You know, mm-hmm. in this day and age, you can't just turn off TV or your phones. It's wherever you look, you're being reminded of what the court of public opinion is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and oftentimes it can be helpful, right? Because it's kind of like having that mock jury following you the whole time. So you right. kind of get to know, you know, what, what, what everyone else is thinking and how that could play into, into the case at hand. So it it's definitely comes up a lot. And, you know, we have to be mindful of it and we can't ignore it. Wow, I'm definitely going to be following you to get the insight on this case and definitely going to tune in to see what happens and to see who his new counsel was going to be. That's right. I think we're all waiting for that one. So another big criminal bomb this year was the whole college scandal thing. Um, And that kind of came out of nowhere. How did this even come, come to fruition? Well, it started with the prosecution of, uh, of another individual who really had nothing to do with this college shooting scam in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, his information was released. Uh, he was being prosecuted for something unrelated. Uh, and I guess when he was cooperating with the prosecution uh, for his securities offense, he was saying, look, I got something totally you know, different to give, and maybe this will help mm-hmm. in terms of leniency. Mm-hmm. And that and that blew the whole thing out of the water. I guess my question is, this has gone on for years, and I'm I'm not even convinced that it's going to stop. So why do you think they're making it such a big deal? Well, what's been going on for years traditionally is that people that have the finances uh, could donate a building or a chair or something like that and then get that front doorway in right into the school. Mm -hmm. Uh, The side door thing, whereas you have someone maybe taking a test for you or faking an athletic profile to get you on the team that way, that's that's only a few years into the making. And, uh, you know, the argument is, was this an evolution of the original front door Mm -hmm. uh, approach? This is called the side door approach uh, by Rick Singer, who's the, you know, the lead person uh, charged in this case. Mm Mm-hmm already pled mm-hmm. um so that's you know that's the ongoing debate you know was this something that everyone should have seen coming or is this something so outrageously new and revolutionary mm-hmm. and just offensive uh, to the bone wow okay we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to come back to this because i do have some questions so stay tuned we will be right back
Legalish on Dash Talk X. Today I have Mr. Lou Shapiro in the house, very renowned criminal defense attorney here in Los Angeles. I am so happy he carved out a little time to hang out with us, and we were discussing the college scandal before we went to break. And I wanted to know, Lou, how would you feel? Do you think all these people knew what was going on? Is there any way it could have been presented to them that it was above board? Because I know there's a lot of programs that market to families getting their kids into to school. So is there any way this could have been marketed that they didn't know what was going on? Or you just think everyone knew and was re- willing to pay the price? Well, that that's going to be one of the major issues, I think, that the defense uh, we'll be working with, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have two camps, basically. We have the camp of parents that have taken early responsibility, have pled guilty, mm-hmm. and are hoping for leniency at their sentencing as a result of their early admission of guilt. And then we have the other camp, which includes, you know, Lori Lachlan from Full House mm-hmm. and other parents who are whose attorneys are saying, look, our our clients, you know, were like you said, were sold a bag of goods. They they thought this is legit. They're told, you know, this is a, if you go to the, you know, main headquarters, it's a legitimate operation. There are counselors there. Uh, This has been around for some years. How are we to know that what's going on behind the scenes is unlawful and things like wire fraud are being done? Mm -hmm. 
How successful do you think that defense is going to be? I think it's going to be a very tough sell Mm -hmm. uh, in light of the fact that this is a high-profile case. Uh, Unless you're hiding under a rock, you've heard about it. And when we're dealing with crimes that involve uh, people that have used their wealth Mm -hmm. and resources to gain an unfair advantage over others, and the jurors that are usually sitting in those chairs are not of that demographic. Most of us aren't. Mm -hmm. There's going to be that inherent resentment from the Mm get-go on something like this. So therefore, I think it is going to be an uphill battle to run that defense for the defense attorneys. Now, you've said that some have already accepted their responsibility in this. So what do you think? Do you think some of these people are going to jail, probation? What are you thinking? Great question. And that gets us into uh, sentencing in general, the United States federal sentencing guidelines. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that, how it works. Mm -hmm. Because most of us are used to the state procedure where you make a deal with the DA and the judge rubber stamps it. Right. Says, okay, I'll go along with that. This is your sentence, and, uh, and there's your surrender date, and good luck to you. Right. Federal court's very different. Federal court, you, the defense attorney and the assistant U.S. attorney, the prosecutor, agree on a guideline range. Mm-hmm. So you can just you can Google it. If you're interested, you go to the United States Federal Sentencing Guideline Table. It's online. And it has two categories. It has an X and a Y axis, basically. Mm-hmm. The top of the table takes into account what's called the criminal uh, history. Mm -hmm. So if someone has no criminal history, then they start out in that level one column. And then on the left side of the table, you have the criminal offense category. And depending on the offense, the nature of the offense, and how much money was used in the offense, that will dictate how far down on the table you go. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you meet at an X and Y point, and there is your range. Mm -hmm. So you agree on the range. And then, just because you agree on the range does not mean that at sentencing, the defense attorney is going to tell the judge, okay, Your Honor, we agreed on that range. This is what we're, we're asking for. Mm-hmm. What usually happens is, after a range is agreed on in, this, in, the, plea, in the written plea agreement, mm-hmm. at sentencing, both sides are able to argue why the judge should either stick to the range, if you're the prosecutor, or the defense attorney will, will ask the judge to deviate or depart from the range due to other factors that the range does not take into account. For example, uh, contributions that the clients make to the community, uh, lifelong ties to the community, charities that the defendant's been involved with. Uh, you know, those types of things, family, uh, future, uh, the collateral consequences, all that gets taken into account to allow the defense attorney to say to the judge, even though we agreed on X, please sentence my client to my client to why mm-hmm. and not so we can expect to be happening to the parents who've already taken responsibility do you hoping think for probation and mm-hmm. not custody time do you think they will get probation and not custody time considering they you know said hey yes i messed up i'm gonna take my I punishment think, yes i think to the parents especially on the low end mm-hmm. of the guidelines they they are in a good position for it especially if the other camp continues to fight Right. So the longer that the other right, the longer the other camp fights, the better the former camp looks for taking early responsibility. <sighs> you know, I'm, I think about I've read stories um, in the past about parents going to jail for sending their children to schools in different districts and things like that. So how is this any different? 
Well, yes, and that's the question that's being posed. And it, you know, it, it's really not that different. And they were punished very severely, right? Uh, in that one, right? So you, you're right. There's not a big distinction that can be made. And and look, people are pleading to cut. People are agreeing to guideline ranges uh, with sentencing time, with custody mm-hmm. time. And maybe you know they're just going to hope for the best and uh, and see where you know where it shakes at sentencing. Right. One thing I know for sure is money talks. So. I would be really interested to see if, because a lot of these people are quite wealthy, if they will actually get jail time. I, I'm thinking no. That's my bet. Again, you know, it, a lot of it's going to depend on the judge, on how they, you know, present themselves to sentencing, on how long the other parents uh, fight. All that's going to be taken into context rather than just looking at each defendant in an in isolated vacuum. Right. Ooh, that's another one that is definitely ongoing. And I feel like USC has been hit pretty hard this, this year. They've had so much going on, and I'm sure they did not want to deal with this. No, I mean, look, they've they've been through the ringer, uh, you know, with, with their faculty, one after the other, being uh, accused and charged of one inappropriate incident to another. Uh so it's been it's affected their athletic department, their academic department, uh, and I think at this point they're just hoping for any kind of good news uh, in the next year or so, just to kind of creep out of this this bad publicity uh, weather that they're encountering. Wow! So that's another major criminal area we will be following. Another big area, especially here in California, is cannabis, and everyone is scratching their heads as to what's right, what is the law, what isn't the law, what can we do, what can't we do. What have you seen come up with cannabis this year? So this is a fascinating field. Uh, It's swinging all the way from one end to the other. Because remember when Prop 64 passed, uh, it, it legalized recreational cannabis and people celebrated here and lined up to get their temporary permits to open up cannabis shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got them. And when they were doing that, they were investing in, you know, they were signing long-term leases, uh, investing in products, machinery, and things like that. So people are, pu- and just for the licenses alone, could run in the thousands of dollars just to apply and get per- and permits and so forth. Right. So everybody was originally issued a temporary permit. So while everyone had a temporary permit in the first, you know, few months, everything was rosy. Uh, and everyone's happy. But suddenly, uh, when it comes time for the, the time to get their permanent permit, right, for, mm-hmm. for the local you know, county cannabis office to say, okay, here's your permanent one now, uh, that, they've fallen behind on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we're not sure if it's because they're understaffed, uh, they just can't handle the manpower, uh, or there's other reasons in management that it's not happening. But it's caused a big problem because now you have hundreds of shops in Los Angeles now, that are technically operating unlawfully. And LAPD is, con- is kind of like torn what to do mm-hmm. because they're, they're, they're going to these shops. They are ordered to go to the shops and tell the shop owners, you cannot be in business right now. Mm-hmm. You're not technically lawful, but mm-hmm. they're not making arrests either because that wouldn't be very equitable, you know, to do because these people put so much into it and they're very deep in, and it's it's really not no fault of their own mm-hmm. that, that they're in this bind. Then why so even it, why even go and and say anything if you can't really enforce it? 
Well, I think they're. I think law enforcement and the city of LA they're just trying to find some type of balance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those situations where it's just gray. Right. It's what do we do? We want to. We want to take a stance, but we also want to be over the top. Right. Uh, and this is one of those things where there's just no manual on how to handle something like this. So they're dealing with it in real time. So if someone gets arrested in this capacity where there's this gray area, what do you foresee will happen? Will charges even be filed if, you know, they have their application in and they're waiting? Should people technically shut down their businesses until this is resolved? What do they do? Well, people, yes, people should technically shut down. Mm -hmm. Uh, If, in fact, there is some type of arrest made, I expect there to be a federal lawsuit filed. Mm-hmm. Um, against against the local cannabis agency, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on issues like of due process, um, you know, cr- maybe cruel and unusual punishment, mm-hmm. uh, because again, it, it's just you're for you're telling the applicant you're going to be okay. Here's what's going to happen next, and then at the same time, you're just ignoring them right. later on, right. and you're hanging them out to dry, and that's not what the applicant signed up for, right? So. Again, these are people who paid thousands of dollars, right? I mean, right. they could be in the hole now, 50000 in, potentially. Right. Right. There's, you people got investors and family money involved. And there's just there's a lot of money being driven this way. And uh, and just to start, for LAPD to come start picking people up, yeah, that, that would cause a federal lawsuit. And I don't think the, I don't think that's a lawsuit that, that the local government wants to get into. Right. Because it may not be a winning battle for them right. in the end, you know? Whew, that's another interesting story we have to follow. So we're going to take our second break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the Weinstein um, settlement, $44 million. That's a lot of money, which may equate to a lot of women. We'll talk about it. We will be right back.
Welcome back to Legalish on Dash Talk X. This is Demetria Graves, and I have the Lou Shapiro in the house with me, criminal defense attorney in Los Angeles. And we are talking everything criminal law today because there is so much going on this year with criminal law and very, very high profile cases. So I want to get to the Weinstein versus Cosby discussion, which we've talked about for a couple of years now. And it just surfaced that Weinstein paid about $44 million in settlement money to, I don't, I don't know, did they state how many women he paid it to, or that's just a blanket settlement? I think it's a blanket settlement, yet to be distributed and determined how. Okay. So does, will that have, because he still has a criminal trial coming up, correct? Correct. Okay. So that, will that impact at all how the criminal matter plays out? It probably won't impact it uh, much at all uh, because the, the accuser uh, in the criminal trial is not the one or part of the class that's going to be receiving this money. Oh. Right, because that, that would be a blatant admission of guilt. Right. So I, I'm sure it was carved out that, that she's excluded at this time uh, from the settlement. Now, is there uh, a way for she, her to... Um withdraw her criminal complaint if she wanted to get in on the settlement money? It would be very difficult for her to do because that that prosecutor, remember, it's really the prosecutor now right. that's pushing the case. Right. Uh, and if she says to this prosecutor, look, I changed my mind. I'm good with a few million. I'll go home. <laughs> I, think the prosecutor, I think the prosecutor would be like, hey, we're in way... <laughs> that ship has sailed. Right. You know, we're in way too deep now. And what message would that be sending? you know, to, to other, you know, real victims right. like that. Right. So, you know, that that's where things are at, I think, in that camp. Now, why does it seem to be taking so long with him to go through his criminal process? It, it appeared like Cosby went through pretty quickly. Why is it taking so long for Weinstein to have a trial? Well, the difference is in, in Weinstein's case, his attorneys have been uh, filing several uh, written motions. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's written motions involved, uh, that requires briefing on both sides, a briefing schedule, as we know. So that in and of itself, uh, you know, will delay things. And if mm-hmm. and if one of those rulings don't come out on one of the parties' side, then they'll take it up on a writ, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. those types of things are, are definitely going to be making it a lot longer. In the Cosby case, I was not aware of many written uh, briefs that were going on. It really went uh, to trial pretty quickly in both trials, in fact. I think that's where most of the time was spent on. What do you think is going to happen in that case? Do you think he's going to see the inside of a jail cell? If if he gets uh, convicted, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably going to be seeing the inside mm-hmm. of a jail cell. Mm-hmm. And you compare that uh, against, let's say, even the college cheating scam for a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could argue... You know, in the college cheating scam, there, there there was other victims, right? Right. For example, maybe it's the students that didn't get in because these students got in instead. Uh, but in, in Weinstein, you have a living, breathing victim that you can look at at sentencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and someone that can really appeal to the judge. And like we said, the court of public opinion does affect mm-hmm. uh, judges as well. Mm-hmm. And they know that whatever the sentencing is, is going to be on front page you know, the New York Times the next day. Right. So I think I think all that taken into account, uh, there's a, a, a good likelihood he will see the inside of a cell if he is, is in fact convicted. Mm-hmm. He has so far, his, his attorneys have been successful in chipping away right. at this case. Right. 
so it remains to be seen if, in fact, the prosecution wants to put it all on the line and go to trial. Because remember, if they lose this case at trial, it will be a very embarrassing loss uh, for their office. Right. Oh, when do you anticipate he will go to trial with um, what you said in terms of the motions and all of that? Is there a time where the judges say, OK, look, we have to get this ball rolling? I think we're safely a year away even mm-hmm. now uh, from mm-hmm. a trial, especially in light of the fact that he changed counsel recently. Mm-hmm. So what, once there's a change of counsel, you usually get a fresh clock on a case of this magnitude. Do you think he'll ever work in Hollywood again? I think he will work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to want his name in any credits, but at the same time, look, the man has experience. Uh, and and when, you know, when someone is an, an undervalued asset, uh, people look for things like that often. Right. And all it takes is a few people to say, hey, you know, Harvey, you know, you've been around you know, 30, 40 years. You know, could we have you as an advisor on this you right. know, quietly in the back? Right. Uh, so presumably he still has that talent to lend. Somebody will want to capitalize on it. And he'll probably resurface that way quietly. Right. And this movement is very, still very prevalent. I don't know if you follow the case, but a young gentleman on The Shy, there's a a Showtime show, and he was accused of sexual harassment. And it was amazing how fast they released him from, from the show. And I said, this is extraordinary how fast the Me Too movement has impacted all of Hollywood, rightfully so. But have you seen cases where men have been wrongfully accused, but it's kind of late because their name is smeared? What do they do? Do they have any recourse? That, that's, it's a great point you're bringing up. And it's, it's, I think it's the unwritten story right now in the media, which is a lot of men that I represent mm-hmm. uh, are, are getting me too and saying, not me. Right. Uh, they're saying, listen, I, I met this girl online. Uh, we, we met for one or two dates at a bar. Uh, the girl will come home with the guy. Uh, she, maybe they both will drink something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next morning, you know, they wake up. And she goes, how did I get here? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he says, what do you mean? How'd you get here? You, you know how you got here. Uh, and then, the, you know, the girl will go to the detective and say she was, you know, raped by means of intoxication. Right. And now this person is looking at, at you know, sex offender registration and, and rape charges and so forth. It's like right. someone's world can be turned upside down. Right. Uh, so we are seeing that. Um, and the cases generally are hard to prove, I think, on the, on the DA's office. Right. Uh, and, and I do commend them locally, at least I can speak for L.A. County, that they, they don't just file charges on, on every case where there's a complaint. They do look for corroborating evidence. They'll look at social media, text messages, people that they spoke to. They, need, you know, they will look for corroborating evidence before they just turn somebody's life upside down. Uh, obviously, when the detective gets a report, he or she has to pursue it. But in terms of whether it results in criminal filing of charges, that's another story. But what is the recourse? Like if you're famous, right, and this happened, it's on Good Morning America, everything, you know, everything under the sun. You you can't really get your reputation back. So is there any recourse if it's found to be untrue? Is there any recourse for that person? There's really not. Once that, that bell is wrong. You, you can't unring it. Uh, and, and it and it definitely continues to haunt people like that, you know, for the rest of their lives and careers, where, to the point where they have to reinvent themselves and find a different way to use their talents 
uh, coming from a different angle with a different audience. Wow. That's another movement we will be following for years to come because that definitely reshaped how people are showing up and working in Hollywood. So that's going to be interesting. So another very recent development was the Mueller statement. I think that was one or two days ago because um, our current president and his team said, nope, no wrongdoing from our president. And now that is no longer the case, according to Moot. Is it Mueller or Mueller? Uh, Mueller. Mueller. According to Mueller, he didn't say that. So what does that mean for the president, if anything? Well, this this is the debate that, that's been happening here on this. You know, Mueller clearly was upset how Barr construed the report that he spent the last two years on. Right. Uh, and he felt compelled to to basically set the record straight right. and say, hey, I, I did not exonerate this president on, on two counts. And right. we'll call them counts for purposes of the conversation, right? The, we're talking about one count, let's say, of, of Russian collusion and count number two of obstruction of justice. Right. Now, Mueller said, with count number one, there was insufficient evidence, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to call it an exoneration, call it what you want, but mm-hmm. insufficient evidence. Mm-hmm. Count number two... He said, I'm not saying there was insufficient evidence. What I'm saying is you can't indict a sitting president. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. And for me to have recommended an indictment on a sitting president would have caused chaos. And I don't want to do that. Right. I didn't see the, the point of doing it. The person who does, or the, the body of government that, sh- that does need to deal with it, though, is Congress. And obviously that, that's the I word right, that everyone's throwing around. Right. So, so, so that's where, where things are at. What's interesting, though, is uh, everyone kind of kind of forgets this one. But what about the campaign finance laws mm. uh, that were mm-hmm. allegedly broken here? Why was that not investigated in the Mueller report or asked to be investigated? It's, it's interesting how that and, and no one's really talking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. That I would argue as a lawyer, if I'm looking at the facts, that's the, the probably the clearest, as they say, a, a high crime misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. If you could say it, it constitutes it. That would be probably the strongest of, of all three right now. That one can. I mean, here you have Matthew Cohen, who's really a, sorry. Michael Cohen is willing to testify against his own client. Right. Uh, look, he instructed me to do this. Right. Um, so, I, I think overall, it, it just goes to you know, it falls into the hands of Nancy Pelosi, who's just looking at the numbers and saying we can't get that two-thirds majority uh, at the end of this whole thing in the House to go for it. So why start a fight that we're going to lose? Right. Especially right now. Yeah. I, I... What would happen if he's not reelected? Do you think he would be indicted on anything? Well, certainly he would be within the statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think you? I, I don't think he would be uh, indicted. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the it's the kind of again he you know it would be it depends it would be a democratic obviously president coming in if he didn't get elected it would be a new right, new Department of Justice prosecutors to decide what to do, I think it, it probably would look a little kind of uh, below the belt for the new sheriff in town to go against the former president. We, we just don't see that traditionally done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hmm. hey, who knows? You know, we're seeing a lot of things that are not traditional. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, right? <laughs> things are definitely changing. <laughs> right. 
Okay, we're going to take our last break. And then when we come back, I have a couple of more questions for you. And then we will be done. So everyone stay tuned. We will be right back. Legalish on Dash Talk X. I am Demetria Graves, and this is Lou Shapiro, criminal defense attorney in Los Angeles. Lou, how can people find you if they have this problem? Well, LouShapiro.com is the easiest way okay. to find me. And you handle all state and federal charges? Yes. 
That is good to know. I hope I never need you. I hope we just can stay friends and I don't have to utilize your services. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you would chime your way, charm your way out of any predicament. <laughs> you know, another big, I think this case kind of opened up the year, the R. Kelly situation, which we've been discussing for many, 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 many years. And after the documentary, I felt like different states, I don't know if they felt the pressure to indict, but they have. So how do you think that's going to go, considering the passage of time and that sort of thing? You know, this is a fascinating case because you see the court of public opinion mm -hmm. uh, really push, entering to the, the, the real courts. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. uh, because... We all knew what was going on. Everyone knew. Uh, but in it, yet it took a documentary on Lifetime to get the attention of law enforcement prosecutors. Like, hey, why haven't we done anything about this? Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So uh, that's the day and age we live in. It's very interesting. Uh, now, the fact that, the pass that there has been a lot of passage of time, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a big defense here. Mm -hmm. R. Kelly's defense lawyers are going to say, you know, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, everybody was very happy when they were in music videos with them and commercials and mm -hmm. you didn't hear any complaining then. Right. But now, years later, when everyone's falling on hard times, now they're coming out of the woodworks. Conveniently now, right, I got something to say. Right. I was wrong. And that could play very well with the right jury. Right. So it's not a slam dunk case for the prosecution in this one. Oh, is there any... Because he's still, according to family members, he's still keeping... Um, I guess one or two women with him. Do they have any claims, or now that because they're grown, does it even matter? Oh, when you say keeping them with him, just elaborate a little bit more on that question. Oh, he's in relationship with two young women, and it was alleged that they started these relationships when they were minors. But now that they are of age, does this even matter? Do they even have claims against him? Uh, you mean for purposes of statute of limitations? Yes. Right. So every state uh, has its own statute of limitations on these kinds of claims. Generally, uh, the way, it, at least in California, I can tell you the way it works is uh, the new the law recently changed. Mm -hmm. Now, a minor who is uh, sexually molested in any way has until the age of forty to come forward. Forty, really? Law. Yeah. Now it's yeah. It was just changed as of January twenty nineteen. What um, was but, it before? It was, okay, so it was either you had by the age of uh, 28 uh -huh. uh, or 10 years from the offense date, whichever one is longer. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Was that a result of the um, the church abuse cases? Yes. I think it definitely played into it. Uh, and And look, there was... I think, I think just before this whole Me Too movement, we, there was, like you said, the church cases coming up and so forth, where a lot of minors are coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, I was molested. We're talking about the teachers and, and all across the board, people that were in positions of power, right. were, or even the Boy Scouts, right. for that matter. I mean, it's affecting everyone, everywhere. Let me so ask you a question. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I, 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 was, I was just going to say that, that that played into it, the statute of limitations law being changed. Have you had any cases, Lou, with um, 
a teacher sleeping with her student. I'm starting to see a lot of those as well. Or him, our teacher sleeping with his student. Yeah. No, I, I have had cases like that. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm able to comment if you have questions about it. I mean, look, to tell you the truth, I, I can just shed some light on it because people are probably thinking, how could this happen? It's right. offensive. Right. It's horrible. Right. Well, you know, what happens is, you know, I think psychologically, mm-hmm. when you go to the same place of work every day, mm-hmm. and I'm not justifying it, but you go to the same place of work every day, uh, this is all you see. These are all the people. You're in like this self-contained ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And these are always the people you're dealing with, right? Right. right. You, you do get, start to get a little more comfortable right. with people. Right. You start giving out maybe your cell phone number to the students uh, or, and so forth. Right. And then what happens is if you get a little too comfortable, suddenly things can, in the digital age can spiral out of control very quickly. Right. In a matter of a few text messages, things can really amp, you know, ramp up. Right. And they couldn't do that when we were in school. Right? Right. We didn't right. have cell phones. We weren't able to text our teachers. Right? These days, teachers are communicating with their students via WhatsApp groups. Right. And, and right. so... I think that accounts for a lot of it. It's just too easy to communicate, and unfortunately that's leading to these kinds of relationships that, but for that means of communication would not have otherwise evolved. Right. Yeah, I've seen a, a big increase in those type of cases, so I wanted to sneak that in there. But from us talking, you know I'm most fascinated with the online dating current cases. And... The one that I've been following is the young man is accused of stealing from the young women. And now I've read that he's also accused of potentially fathering some children that he's not taking care of. So I want to start with how is it a crime? Let's say you're dating someone online. They give you $40,000. Why is that a crime? So that in and of itself is not a crime. Mm Mm-hmm. What is a crime, though, is what happens is what these, you know, these men are doing is that they're earning the trust uh, of, these, of these women mm-hmm. and then saying, look, can you give me this? Can you give me that? And they, and they start, and the men are getting access to the woman's account numbers, account information, and using that, they're able to get more than they were supposed to originally. And that's where you get into crimes of identity theft, uh, you know, grand theft, mm-hmm. taking property from someone without their permission and that's where they get into the hot water well is there any i mean if i was counsel i might say no we had an agreement that i had access to this account and that's why i had the debit card and that's why i had you know the account numbers is there any responsibility for the young lady or the young man that is giving this type of access to someone they don't know so that's why these cases are generally played uh, before a jury, mm-hmm. because if the man can honestly say, look, I know it doesn't look good, and I, I know you could say, you know, I was maybe freeloading here, you know, off someone else's piggy bank, mm-hmm. but there's a big difference between, you know, kind of like being the, spo- the spoiled person in the relationship, being the freeloader versus being a criminal. Right. right? I'm not a criminal. I'm mm-hmm. just a bad boyfriend but I'm not a criminal. Right. I'm a lousy boyfriend, but I'm not a criminal. What I like to say in closing argument is, you know, this person is not up for boyfriend of the year award right now. That's right. not what you're here to decide. Right. Right. You. And sometimes if you frame it the right way, a jury can say, okay, I see where you're getting here. There right. is a difference between criminality and just being a bad person. 
now, a lousy are, person. Are these felony charges or misdemeanor charges? They're generally fen- felony charges because mm-hmm. of the amount of money involved. Mm-hmm. Anytime we're getting over that 1500 mark, mm-hmm. uh, that threshold is getting us into felony land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm blown away that someone will turn over their... No judgment here, but I would love to understand how you turn over your, you know, private information to somebody you just met, but yet and still they get in trouble for it. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. You know, you've got to think about it. Have you ever met someone in life who's just so charismatic, Mm -hmm. who's such a smooth talker, you know, and, and you figure maybe there's that, that's, there are people that can do it right. and and they're so good at it. You know, unless you're on guard for them or I've encountered people like that, if you've never met someone like that and you're not ready for it, it could happen. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's happening a lot. So that means, you know, they are, they have been successful, but I think now that the public is onto them and the police is onto them, I hope that it decreases because people are going online to really find love. So this is very unfortunate that people are taking advantage of their vulnerabilities during during that time. And like the old saying goes, you know, we're we're living in the best of times and we're also living in the worst of times. And that's what technology is. And hopefully the good outweighs the bad. I totally agree with you. Lou, I am so excited that you spent some time with me. I know you are so super busy. So I want to thank you so, 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 so much for joining the Legalish family for afternoon and is there anything else you want to say i'm just happy that we didn't go over our one hour free consultation (laughs) thank you so much and thank you all for listening to legalish on dash talk x